The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening. I'm storyteller Otis Gyre, and I ain't your grandfather. From where I'm from, we don't do bedtime stories. And if that's what you were expecting, you're in the wrong place. If it's terrifying tales you're after, well then, I've got just the thing. Get comfortable, settle in, turn off the lights, if you dare. Your night is about to get a whole lot darker. <laughs> Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs> Good evening! You're listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark. Welcome, dear listeners, to Season 14, Episode 17. I'm your host, Otis Jiry, and in this episode, I'll be performing four tales to terrify you, courtesy of authors N.M. Brown, Brandon Wills, Megan Meehan, and Finn McCool. Tonight, we'll hear stories of wretched remembrance snowy snatchers, alien antagonists, and nasty nuisances. You're listening to the standard edition of tonight's program, which contains the first two spine-tingling stories. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy an extended version of this and other episodes with twice the terror, 
Visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. Thank you for your support. Now, let's take a walk together down the moonlit trail. So walk your doors, turn your lights down low, and settle in. The show's about to begin. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't see it coming. And then, surprise! You have a yard full of monsters just waiting to tear a piece out of you. Or maybe you're minding your own business, and then, there you go. Something from another world decides that you're going to be its newest playmate. Let's take a trip with a few folks that just never saw it coming. Valentine's Day may have come and gone, but some, for some, love is forever. Even if, for one of those people involved, that love is well remembered. Yes, the autumn years are not kind to some of us and our memory, but surely that's no cause for alarm, or is it? N.M. Brown presents a tale that'll make you wonder. Without further ado, I present to you... Did you check the box? In a dilapidated house at the edge of a small, quiet town, where the shadows danced and the wind whispered secrets, was what was supposed to be my wife and I's paradise. Our once grand home now stood as a decrepit monument to the relentless march of time, haunted by the echoes of a life long forgotten. But the true terror in my heart lay not in the crumbling walls, but in the shattered fragments of memories that tormented my every waking moment. My wife, Maddie, was a prisoner of her own mind, ensnarled by the cruel tendrils of Alzheimer's disease. Each day was a descent into madness for me, as I watched helplessly while the woman I loved slipped further and further away. The walls of our home bore witness to the horrors that unfolded within, the air thick with the scent of decay and despair. As night fell, I would often find myself wandering the darkened halls, my footsteps echoing like the tolling of a funeral bell. In the shadows, I'd catch glimpses of my wife, her eyes vacant and hollow, a mere shell of the vibrant woman she once was. But it wasn't the sight of her vacant stare that chilled me to the bone, nor the sound of her whispered gibberish that sent shivers down my spine. No, it was the sense of dread that hung heavy in the air, the feeling that something sinister lurked just beyond the edge of her perception. So, in case you couldn't tell, nights were the worst. That's when the darkness seemed to seep into our very souls, twisting our thoughts and filling me with an irrational fear. I found myself lying awake for hours on end, listening to the creaking of the floorboards and the howling of the wind, my mind awash with images of horrors, both real and imagined. In those moments, I could almost feel the weight of Maddie's presence beside me, her frail form a constant reminder of the nightmare we are trapped in. But it was not the only physical manifestations of Maddie's illness that tormented me. It was the memories of uh, our life together, now tarnished by the cruel hand of fate. 
I'd find myself lost in reverie, reliving moments of joy and tenderness, only to have them ripped away by the harsh reality of the present. The photographs that adorned the walls served as cruel reminders of what once was, our once smiling faces a mockery of the tragedy that had befallen them. And so, at least on my end, I lived in a perpetual state of terror. My mind was a battleground where the forces of light and darkness waged an eternal war. I selfishly longed for release from the nightmare that had become our lives, yet feared what lay beyond the confines of our crumbling sanctuary. For in the darkness lurked horrors far worse than any imaginable. And so we remained, trapped in a prison of our own making, haunted by the echoes of not only the forgotten, but the remembered, which can prove to be far worse. Just eleven short days until our anniversaries, dear heart. I glanced at the calendar to my left, not even close. We got married in the spring and are currently approaching the middle of fall. Still, it doesn't do much good to correct her. She only gets upset when I do that. I mean, we're all getting older. You never wake up younger than you were the day before, that's for sure. Memories become harder to hold on to. Your brain becomes a colander for memories. The holes get larger every year, or hell, even every month sometimes, the older you get. So I nodded and smiled without a word said. What else was there to do? Maddie had been by my side through everything. The loss of a child car accidents, surgeries, and the death of our own parents. We'd been together for over 40 years, soon to be 50, God willing. I'd been on this earth long enough to know what you get robbed of with age. At least she recognizes who I am today. If I keep calm and patient, this could very well turn out to be one of her good days. It started with small things, and she wasn't exactly organized to begin with wasn't uncommon at all for her to misplace her keys or search for her glasses for ages before realizing they were on the top of her head. The kids caught hold of it long before I did. Then again, you never want to believe the worst about the person who holds your heart, do you now? Besides, Lord knows I had my own health issues to deal with. I'd been sicker than a dog left out in the rain for the past few months. Doctors couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with me. My two largest fears constantly waged battle in my brain. If she went first, I'd be beyond devastated. The only thing I could think of that would be worse is if I died first. Of course, there was an absolute certainty that one of those things would happen. There was no lesser of the two evils. Both outcomes left us dealing with a labyrinth of pain and suffering too large for us to deal with. I looked at my wife, sitting at the kitchen table, and found myself painfully wondering if she would even realize if I was gone. The Keurig machine our daughter, Alma, bought us has finally gurgled to a stop, breaking me from my inner diatribe long enough to prepare two cups. The creamer bubbled lightly at the top of the cup before dividing to the bottom, begging for a good stir. I filled a spoon up with sugar before dropping it into her cup. Yeah, I imagine the sugar isn't great for her, but at this age, who cares? 
She's always been my sweetheart, and I aim to help keeping her that way. I carried the cups to our kitchen table, wincing as some of the morning's liquid sloshed over my cup onto my hand. As long as it wasn't hers, it's okay, I thought to myself, gently. People often ask what the secret is to a long, healthy marriage, and I give them the same answer every time. Always think of them first and with love. Of course, it helped that we didn't have social media, where sex is available at the click of a button sometimes. Maddie gratefully accepted her cup smiling at me. I've always adored her smile. It melts my heart even after all these decades. She cleared her throat lightly before attempting to speak. Oh, this is delicious. Just what I needed. Thank you so much, Daniel. My heart froze for more than a few seconds before plummeting to the pit of my stomach. I hadn't heard that name in years, and I was hoping never to hear it uttered in our home again. Daniel Williamson had proven to be the largest challenge of our marriage. Daniel Williamson was the man who almost broke my family apart 20 years ago, almost made it to where I'd be sitting here alone today. Daniel was the man whose affections were too strong for my wife to resist. It began innocently, a fleeting glance exchanged between them here and there, like a spark igniting a wildfire. Soon, clandestine meetings in dimly lit cafes became the norm, whispers of forbidden desires echoing around the hollow chambers of our dark bedroom. As hard as it was to admit, I felt a creeping sense of unease, like a cold hand trailing down my spine in the dead of night. Shadows danced in the orbs of her once warm and inviting eyes, casting doubts upon the love we once held so dear. As the affair spiraled out of control, along with my paranoia, I found my soul ensnared in a web of lies and deceit, each thread pulling us deeper into the abyss of despair. My once vibrant spirit withered like a flower deprived of sunlight, replaced by a hollow emptiness that echoed through the halls of our strained, distrusting home. One fateful night, when my suspicions reached a boiling point, I confronted my wife in a whirlwind of confusion and anguish. At first, she tried to deny it, but in the dim glow of the moonlight, her confession ultimately hung heavy in the air, like a noose around her neck, tightening with each word of utter betrayal. She began to walk toward me, her footsteps echoing in the silence of the night like a mournful dirge. Shadows danced around her, whispering secrets of old infidelity and deceit, their icy fingers tracing the contours of her broken heart. We decided to work it out and make it through this, not for our kids, but for us. It was one of the hardest periods of my life, and up until recently I thought it was long behind us. She interrupted my thought process. Danny, promise me the box is okay. When's the last time you checked it? I truly didn't know what to say. You know, if Brody finds it, we're dead, right? This is the point where I'd shamefully had enough. Maddie, it's me. I'm Brody. And I certainly don't wish you any harm, dear. A startled look assaulted her eyes just long enough for me to notice before she took it away. You're not Brody. You're proving it now by actually listening to me. 
He never did. Feelings, thoughts, opinions, he didn't want to hear any of it. Told me I'd make a terrible midwife. Here we go. An argument settled decades ago, rearing its ugly head for a new round. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Maddie was young and bored and like many other women presented with an empty nest during the hours that her children were in school. She started binge watching TV shows. Netflix featured a show called Call the Midwife. Maybe some of you have even seen it yourselves. Well, six seasons in and all of a sudden, Maddie was convinced she'd found her calling, just like she did with cooking and jewelry making and crocheting and all the other phases of life she clung to. Well, I wasn't exactly the most supportive and apparently she never forgave me for it. After ensuring she had what she needed for the moment, I went upstairs to gather laundry so she wouldn't have to worry about it. There was a good chance she wouldn't notice anyway, but why fix what's not broken? Laundry still needed to be done, after all. I checked the kitchen camera and found her still sitting peacefully, staring off into space. So I used that opportunity to fix up the bathroom and clean up in the event of any accidents Maddie had. The sound I heard after closing the door to the upstairs bathroom wasn't one I'd ever heard before and hoped to never hear again. When Maddie and I were younger and the kids were, well, kids, we could always tell who was coming up or down the stairs by the sound of their steps that they made. Torn was a clomper. That girl couldn't sneak up on anyone to save her soul. Mason took each step one foot at a time, so it was two clunks for each step whereas Christopher ran, taking two or three steps at a time. This was none of the above. A frenzy of stomping footsteps ran up the stairs faster than anything I've ever heard before. But that wasn't the only sound. A second set of footsteps audibly accompanied the first, only these made a dragging and pulling sound. I barely had time to open the door before Maddie planted herself before me. The look on her face betrayed her small frame, making her seem ten feet tall and bulletproof. My mind struggled with how she found the strength to get up here so fast. It seemed lately she could hardly walk a straight line without my assistance. My eyes searched behind her, looking for a second set of footsteps, but I found nothing. Danny, baby, I can't take this anymore. We have to act now, Maddie pleaded. How could she look me in my very own eyes and see someone else? My hand flew to my forehead in frustration. 
When I decided to stay and work things out when we were younger, I never imagined this would come back like it has now. It was supposed to be over. She had many faces throughout her long life. Why did she have to get stuck in the days she was with Daniel? How was that fair to me? Why did I have to suffer through this again? It didn't seem to bother her in the least, but I guess that's why some refer to Alzheimer as the ignorance and bliss disease. It's supposedly harder on us than it is on them. Yet she continued, If he finds out, he'll kill me, Danny. You have to believe me. He'd rather me be dead than be with you. Maddie, honey, please stop it. I played it gently. Daniel's dead. Tears sparkled in the corner of her dull eyes before traveling the roadmap of wrinkles on her cheeks. Why would you say that, Danny? You know, I can't live without you. Not a happy life, anyway. That was it for me. Without the patience for one more audible word, I left her there, determined to give her the space I knew she wasn't even capable of adequately using. Hours later, as the weather slept outside in the silence of the absence of rain, lashed against the windows like icy fingers, my torment reached its zenith. Sitting in our kitchen, alone in the darkness, I could feel the tendrils of insane helplessness creeping ever closer, threatening to haunt my soul forever. Desperate for relief, I ventured into the heart of the house to the person who once brought me peace but now brought me sadness, to Maddie. She looked so innocent and frail, tossing and turning in our bed. As I approached her bedside, an unexpected sense of dread washed over me, chilling me to the bones. The room seemed to pulse with a malevolent energy, the air heavy with the weight of unspoken horrors that had become our day-to-day -day life. And there, amidst the darkness, I finally saw the source of it. A figure loomed over Maddie's side of the bed. Its features twistedly grotesque, but recognizable all the same. Daniel. Heart pounding, I found myself stumbling backward, my mind reeling with confusion and anguish. I tried to scream, but no sound escaped my lips. The figure drew nearer to Maddie, his shadowy figure, engulfing the entire room in darkness. In that moment, I understood what it felt like to be on the precipice of madness, teetering on the edge of oblivion. But then, a voice pierced the darkness, cutting through the cacophony of fear and despair. It was Maddie, her voice soft and gentle, calling out from the depths of her confusion. And in that moment, I found my anchor, a lifeline amidst the chaos, at least for a little while. With Maddie's voice as my guide, I gathered the courage to face the madness head on. I reached out to my wife, taking her trembling hand in my own, and with the presence of her spirit, I confronted the horrors that lurked within the shadows. Demon, be gone! I commanded, and all at once Daniel's visage began to change. He roared at me hatefully as the ethereal atmosphere around him began to falter and fade. It seemed like it was causing him pain, but that didn't make any sense to me. After all, his lifeless nervous system had either been burned or rotted away ages ago. 
Then again, that exact line of reasoning tells me what I see before me is just as outlandish. It took me longer than necessary to make out what she was trying to tell me. The basement. I settled her down, brought her some water, and got our all tucked back into bed. My heart told me I should let it go, that whatever I'd find in the basement had nothing helpful to offer me. Meanwhile, my brain screamed at me to investigate. I told myself that whatever had been put in that basement was placed there long ago, and no longer had the power to hurt me. Oh, how wrong I was. The basement stairs were always so steep that even when I had the surest footing, I tried to avoid them. My mind split between taking one step at a time and not slipping the entire flight down. However, I made it. The room reeked of dust and mildew, and the smell of utter abandonment. Cobwebs hung from just about every corner. The spiders had inhabited them, having left long ago. I scanned the room for anything out of place and found nothing. What I did find, however, was an area of the basement that wasn't as dusty as the rest. Though how she managed to get up and down the stairs was a mystery to me, it was apparent that someone had been in this area more often than the others. My hands fumbled around, searching for any kind of clue at all. Papers flew, and forgotten stored items were tossed aside. The last sheet of paper, one of Torn's old school papers, revealed Maddie's old family Bible, which seemed oddly used for how long it had sat down here. I opened the book with trembling hands, and my entire world changed. The few mysteries over the decades of our lives instantly clicked into place the moment the cover was opened, especially my alarming health problems of late. The pages of the book had been cut, revealing a hollow space inside. Only it wasn't empty. There, safely nestled in its hiding spot, was a half-empty bottle of arsenic. I got out my phone and googled the effects of arsenicosis as I tried to mentally absorb the situation. Unfortunately, I was shaking so badly that it took me more tries than I'd like to admit. Skin lesions, one of the most visible signs of chronic arsenic poisoning, is the development of skin lesions. These may appear as discolored patches, rough, thickened, or wart-like growths, and can progress to more severe conditions like hyperkeratosis, thickening of the skin, and eventually skin cancer. I stared down at my arms, wincing at the eggplant, shaded bruises, and calloused-edged sores that appeared every now and then. Cancer. Chronic exposure to arsenic has strongly been linked to an increased risk of several types of cancer, including skin, lung, bladder, liver, and kidney cancer. Cancer. That was the last thing on the list I hadn't been tested for. I refused any scans or x-rays the entire year before, thinking if they didn't find anything, it meant I wouldn't have anything. Cardiovascular effects. Arsenic exposure has been associated with cardiovascular diseases such as hypertension, arteriosclerosis, ischemic heart disease. My blood pressure had always been high, so that couldn't really be used as a confirmed symptom. Reproductive and developmental effects. Fortunately for me, it was a tad too late for any of that to be a concern. 
I'd already had my kids and I was about as developed as I ever was going to get. Gastrointestinal effects. Chronic congestion of arsenic-contaminated food or water can cause gastrointestinal symptoms such as abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and gastritis. Long-term exposure may increase the risk of gastrointestinal cancers, particularly at the liver, colon, and stomach. Again, hadn't been tested. I've always had a somewhat sensitive stomach. Immune system dysfunction. Arsenic exposure can suppress immune function, making individuals more susceptible to infections and impairing the body's ability to mount an effective immune response against pathogens. Well, see, this one was hard to tell. When you got to be our age, your immune system was pretty much gone anyway. I put away my phone, resigned to the fact that it hadn't proved helpful. Still, although every symptom hadn't been confirmed, here it was in my very own hands. Sure, I could have thrown it all away, and I damn near did. But she got strong on the days that the devil had her mind, and there wasn't any reasoning with her either. If she came down here and found this gone, only God and Lucifer know what havoc she'd wreak. In her mind, I wouldn't be someone she loved. I'd be reduced back to what I was during her affair, an obstacle in her way, something she needed to be rid of. As far as punishment goes, it seemed to have taken care of itself in a twisted way. What was I supposed to do? Call the police on my 78-year-old wife? With how the healthcare system is, there was just as much a chance of me being carted off as her. I figured emptying the bottle down the sink drain, washing it vigorously, and replacing it with water was just about the best option I had. So here I am left, sitting alone in my basement with a bottle of arsenic water in one hand, and nothing but heaps of regret in the other. I'd always been thankful for her good days when she had her memory back, when I had my wife back. However, this was something else entirely. Now it seemed like my wife counted on those good days, the ones that seemed fewer and farther between as of late. Some days I wish I could join her in her make-believe world, win her back like I did back then. I'm older now. Daniel's long dead, and I'm tired. So damn tired. Maddie's bad days were getting more consistent by the week. It seemed the light of her spirit had shined through the cracks of dementia and had all but been sealed over, shut out from me forever. Her bad days were the ones where her mind took her back to the time when she was unfaithful. She wasn't mine during these times. She was his. It hurt and terrified me all at once. My sense of shame, betrayal, heartache, fought with my sense of self-preservation to live. I told myself I wanted to live, but struggled to figure out what for. But unfortunately for me, those were also the days she remembered to poison me. I hope you enjoyed Did You Check the Box by N.M. Brown as performed by yours truly. 
If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented featured author, you can help support them by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash nm-brown. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash nm-brown. Thanks again for your support of this program and tonight's featured author. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Except, of course, when it's been doused in arsenic, I guess. I will admit, though, some people will put up with anything, even being poisoned, as long as the love is still there. Did you catch something out of the corner of your eye? Well, maybe it's nothing. Or maybe it's everything. See, what you can't see, and sometimes will, kill you. Brandon Wills presents a tale that ought to keep you chilled to the bone. Without further ado, I present to you, there are killer snowmen in my town. Christmas was just a few days away. My son Ezekiel and I were doing some last-minute shopping at the local mega mall. We chatted as we walked around trying to avoid bumping shoulders with the passers-by. After hours of exhausted walking and gawking, we took a break to eat at a local sub-sandwich joint in the eatery section. I ate my usual buffalo chicken sub while Ezekiel told me about his latest video game accomplishments. So, Manuel and I were teaming up against Enrique and David when, hey, what's that? His eyes shot over my shoulder toward the window facing the vacant desert stretching around the mall's back end. He had a look of surprise mixed with shock. Curious, I spun around to look but saw nothing besides sand and rocks. What is it? I don't... It's a snowman, Dad. Don't you see it? I laughed. The snowman. Seek, you must have burned your eyes out from staring at your TV too much. No, Dad, really? You don't see it? Seek, it might be December, but it's 70 degrees. We live in southern Arizona, for crying out loud. Have you ever seen snow here? Uh, well, never, Dad. I, I know. It doesn't make sense to me either. You really can't see it. I was growing concerned about my son. He was insisting on seeing an imaginary snowman in the middle of the Arizona desert. How would you feel? I wondered if he was stressing out with school and his competitive gaming hobby. I thought about asking if he'd had an accidental blow to the head, but instead I said, I think you should give up gaming for a bit. Maybe the stress is doing something to your eyes. Yeah, yeah, could be. I think I will. Christmas went by with no other strange events. Ezekiel took that break from gaming until he unwrapped the new games that Santa left under the tree. Do you think it's safe to play now, Dad? Yeah, sure, it's Christmas. Dale with restraints. I said as I took another sip of the Moscato that Eliza had uncorked for us to share while we watched Ezekiel, our only child eviscerate his wrapped gift as if he were still a little boy. Had some flashbacks of him being five years old and eagerly opening the obvious bicycle we had gingerly wrapped the night before. It made me tear up a bit, to be honest. 
Watching your kid grow up is one of the most rewarding and painful things you'll do as a parent. He rushed upstairs, and a few minutes later I could hear him laughing and talking to his friends. I'm back! Yeah, I just needed a break. Don't worry, I'm not rusty. Shut up, Manuel. Your mom would for a cheeseburger. The weird began again shortly after New Year. It was around January 5th that Ezekiel walked into my office one evening. He had a look of exhaustion and fear, something you'd maybe see a soldier have, not a teenage boy. What's up, Zeke? You okay? You look like you pulled an all-nighter with the boys. I quipped with a chuckle, but he didn't even crack a slight smile. No. Well, what's wrong then, bud? Remember how I saw that snowman at the mall before Christmas? I had just remembered that incident. With all the commotion around the holidays, scheduling when and where to go, and getting the house for guests, my mind had wiped that particular memory from the slate. Uh, yeah, yeah. What about it? It's here now. You saw it again? Yes, and it's outside the house, Dad. Like, right this instant. It's been staring up at my window. A snowman staring up. That's unusual. Almost as unusual as how in the hell would you get snow to stay solid when it's in the 50s tonight? I'm serious, Dad. I hate to admit it, but I'm scared. Why are you scared of a snowman, Zeke? It's just crystallized water. No, Dad. I get a weird feeling about this. I noticed it move, too. Oh, God, Zeke. Listen. Mental illness wasn't a problem on my side of the family, but Eliza's mother was a diagnosed schizophrenic. I wondered if he may have developed something akin to that. No, Dad, please. Can you check? Maybe if you step outside, it'll scare it away. I, I sighed. All right, Zeke. I'll go look. I stepped out the front door to the calm, mild evening. The wind was chilly, but nowhere near suitable for snow. Eliza and I had grown up in West Virginia. I knew what snowy weather should be like. Back home, this is the weather they'd have in late spring. I looked at the sky, and there were only a small puff of clouds, nothing accumulative. I walked over to where Ezekiel's bedroom was, searching around for any signs of a prankster, or, if by some rare chance, snow. Not a damn thing. I looked up to see Ezekiel looking down at me, looking horrified. I shrugged and said in a raised voice, There's nothing here, Zeke. Tad, it's right behind you. I spun around just as I felt an ice chill cover my arm, followed by the sudden, shocking feel of excruciating sharp pain. A dog had bit me once as a child, and this felt just like that. After I screamed a few obscenities, I noticed blood had begun to trickle down my arm in several places. After I slammed the door shut and engaged all four types of locks, I darted for the bathroom to assess my wound. There were ten deep gashes along my bicep. Crap. These wounds are going to need stitches. Zeke, will you go start the car? Once I arrived at the clinic, I told the doctor that a dog had bitten me. She examined it and replied, It's a strange-looking bite for a dog bite. All the teeth look pointed, maybe triangular. You sure it was a dog? 
I insisted it was just a dog, and she shrugged it off as she sewed the wound shut. We didn't say much on the way home. The secret just stared out the window, and I navigated through the light traffic. We were a few minutes from home when he finally spoke. I saw it bite you. Caught me off guard, so I replied, What did? A snowman. Only it changed. It wasn't the ordinary-looking snowman it always is. Its eyes stretched wide and so did its mouth. Its teeth changed into daggers, Dad. I tried to yell to warn you, but it lunged at you so fast, I almost jumped out the window. Zeke. I took a deep breath, calculating what to say next. I don't know what that was, but it was real. I don't know why. You can see it, but I can't. I think we're in real danger. We may need to sell the house and move to West Virginia. I don't... My sentence was cut short. Once I had turned the exit off the main road, Ezekiel screamed. I don't mean a gasp. I mean a blood-curdling scream that caused me to slam on the brakes. Dad! There are snowmen everywhere. Every house has one in the yard. They're all facing the front doors. Up ahead, I saw one guy walk outside, his work case strapped over his shoulder, and his key fob armed to unlock his SUV. Before he had a chance to do so, he vanished. Faster than you can blink. The man was no longer there. Ezekiel screamed again. Oh my God, Dad! The snowman's eating him. There's blood everywhere. Oh my God, Dad, nobody's safe. Zeke, you won't believe this, but to me... He just vanished. Just... Just keep your head down until we, we're home. We'll figure out what to do then. As we pulled into the driveway, the front door opened. Elisa's horseshoed feet stepped onto the porch, her purple robe tied tight around the waist. She had her arms folded just as strong across her midsection. I could tell she looked a little angry about our sudden departure. Dad, it's coming for her. Oh no, I blurted. Panicked, I tried hitting the button to roll my window down so I could warn her, but it was too late. Before I even found the stupid button, she was gone. Zeke tucked his head between his legs, crying himself into spiraled mania. My beautiful darling Elisa, my soulmate, my best friend, my wife, was being eviscerated by an evil, possible interdimensional monster. Her suffering must have been great because Zeke kept asking if I could hear his screaming in between periods of his powerful sobs. I couldn't. I'm glad that I couldn't. But I also wish that Zeke couldn't. I wished for this insanity to stop, but I had no idea how I could do anything, something to help. He cupped his ears to his head in an attempt to stifle the sounds, but it penetrated even that. I watched my son cry as he was forced to listen to the inescapable sounds of his mother's devise. I cried with him. That was when I saw something snap inside of his mind. There's a particular look that changes on one's face when they've decided they've had enough and it's time to roll. The door on his side slammed open as he dashed toward the garage. He came out with a shovel and ran around to the front door. He repeatedly swung at the air in wide arcs and chops until he finally stopped, his lungs exhausted from the effort. Yet he didn't quit. 
He raced to the next yard and did the same. After a few moments, I saw Elisa appearing and bloodied but alive. The ambulance arrived in a few minutes. I yelled for Zeke to come with us, but he said, You go, Dad. I have to save the neighborhood. I just nodded. I was proud of my son, even though I couldn't see what he was fighting. There was no doubt they were there and terrorizing our street. The doctors were able to save Elisa, minus a few fingers and several large chunks of flesh. When they asked what happened, I said I found her that way when I came home, and I mentioned how I was attacked by a dog earlier that day. They'd never believe me if I told them that a flesh-hungry snowman was the actual perpetrator. When we came home, the shovel was leaning near the front door. Ezekiel met us, looking as tired as he would if he had just run a marathon. They attacked a few more, he told me, after we'd settled Elisa in bed. Yeah? How do you know? I saw people walking around looking for them. Some of the missing were pets, and the others were people. I saved Ted, who lives down the street. I had just finished off a snowman when I heard him yelping for help. It frightened him, and he'd fallen on his butt. The thing was inches away, almost close enough to grab him when I knocked its head off. He took a swig from his root beer, sighing. It wasn't just our street, either. They've been all over town. I wouldn't be surprised if missing person posters started popping up in the next few days. I think they attacked street by street because Sleepy Hollow Roads. There, there were lots of people out searching. I tried to help, but I had to gingerly step over the corpses of dead pets and a few dead people as well. I couldn't tell them the truth of what I could see, or they'd have chased me away like I was some kind of lunatic. I... I think only their intended victims can see them. That they have to pull you into their dimension or something like that for them to attack. I don't know. This all just seems so insane to talk about. Well, I think that settles it then. I'll put in a transfer notice for my job and we're moving back to good old West Virginia where killer snowmen don't exist. I was trying to lighten his mood and maybe even make him laugh, but he just stared out the window. A week later, we were settling into a new home just outside of Charleston. This time, though, we saw real snowmen and real snow. Ezekiel had been out to mingle with the local teenagers who were sledding and having an old-fashioned snowball fight. Elisa was healing nicely, but the doctors said she'll have some ugly scars for the rest of her life. She asked me a few times what happened because she just couldn't remember. I told her the story about the dog attack, and at first she dismissed it, saying she didn't remember a dog at all, but she began to accept it. Would you have the heart to tell her your partner, the real story, the real truth? I craved that normalcy, and if not speaking about what happened would grant that, then so be it. I just wanted things to go back to what they were. I wanted Elisa happy and healthy. I wanted Ezekiel and me to quit obsessing over these snowmen, Though I loved it here in West Virginia, I just wanted to be back at home in Arizona. The cold sucks. The biting wind sucks. The frozen, treacherous, curvy roads suck. Only that's not the worst thing. One night I was gazing at the empty woods behind our house when I saw something peeking from behind a tree. It was one of those snowmen... The creature stretched its sharp-toothed mouth into a 
long, wide grin this time. Its stick hand rose to point directly at me. I hadn't told Ezekiel yet, mostly because I'm unsure how he'd take it, but I knew one thing for sure, the location of that shovel. He came home that evening, looking like he'd just rolled in the snow all day. Well, did you win? I asked, trying to poke fun at his appearance. I don't know. It was just fun. The first time in a long time. He walked upstairs to his room and I heard him hop into the shower. I checked on Elisa and found her snoozing in a haze of prescription painkillers. They said she'd need a few more skin grafts before the ordeal would finally conclude. When she awoke earlier that day, she told me she worried I wouldn't find her attractive. Honey, I married you for your soul, not the vessel it's riding around in. We'll get old, saggy, and wrinkly, and you'll still have to fight me off. She grinned, rolled over, and drifted off to her drug-induced sleep. Once satisfied that she was comfortable, I walked downstairs to look out the window again. The snowman was even closer now. It was a few trees away from the house now. The snowman was moving and not afraid to show me that it could. Ezekiel never mentioned that he'd seen them do that before. Are they more mobile and agile in the colder weather of Appalachia? I was staring into this thing's black coal eyes when Ezekiel entered the kitchen. What you looking at, Dad? You aren't seeing snowmen now, are you? He said, then chuckled to let me know he was joking. It caught me a little off guard. Huh? Uh, oh, no. I just missed the woods, is all. I loved adventuring into the hills as a kid. My friend and I came up with various things to do up there. The woods inspire a lot of crazy ideas. Hey, here's one. We should go hiking when the weather warms up. Sure, Dad, I'd love to. He said as he walked off, probably to go play video games with his friends, back in faraway Arizona, armed with toasted pastries and a glass of milk. I turned back toward the window, but they were gone. With my boots strapped and coat zipped, I found the bravery to search around. Not a single physical shred of proof that what I was seeing had been there. But I knew they were real. They almost killed Elisa. I knew that I was not crazy. I didn't see the monsters for a few days. The next time, it happened while I was driving home from a late shift. I was annoyed, tired, and desperate for the soft, awaiting comfort of my bed. The roads in West Virginia are windy, with sharp turns aplenty. It was around one of these sharp turns that led to a small town that I saw the snowmen again. They were all turned to face the road. The faces were all contorted to sinister, horrific smiles. All had one arm pointed at me as I drove by. One thing was clear. Their threats were not vague. I hammered down the accelerator. Caution be damned. After dodging a few accidents by the narrow width of a hair, brakes screeching as I slammed the car into park in my driveway and bolted toward the front door. It was wide open. There was a smooth, wide trail leading from the woods around the house and to the front door. Inside, the trail of snow had melted and left a soaked path up the stairs. I don't know how they made it without legs, but then again... They were killer snowmen, and nothing about them made sense. Elisa and Ezekiel had been missing for twelve long days. There was no gory scene like what happened to Elisa the first time. They were just gone, 
The police have questioned me several times, but I think they've now ruled me out as a suspect. Our security camera, located outside, recorded the front door opening, but no source for the action. The living room camera isn't aimed directly at the front door, but you can see it in the top right of the open screen, and a trail of snow making its way toward the stairs. I've done my own searches in the woods around our home, and even flew back to Arizona to check around our old property in the town. But I've turned up nothing but strange looks from people as I frantically search every possible place. The pictures on the walls just make me sad now. I cry as I look through old photos and videos on my phone as I try to nurse the sadness with whiskey. I know it's not the healthiest thing to do, but since work has granted me paid time off, I'm going to stay drunk because it's far better than feeling the sadness that's trying to consume me. I have no idea where my family is, or even if they're still alive. I pray that they are. I pray that I'll see them again, but I know I inevitably will. When they do, well, there's a shovel waiting for them. I hope you enjoyed There Are Killer Snowmen in My Town by Brandon Wills, as performed by yours truly. If you enjoyed that tale and would love to read more from tonight's very talented featured author, you can help support him by visiting simplyscarypodcast.com slash brandon-wills. That's simplyscarypodcast.com slash b-r-a-n-d-o-n dash W-I-L-L-S Thanks again for your support of this program and tonight's featured author. And more than that, a thank you to all of tonight's featured authors. Now, before we go, I'd also like to take a moment to thank you personally for joining me on this episode of Scary Stories Told in the Dark. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to us. If you'd like to hear a premium extended edition of tonight's and all of our other episodes featuring twice the terror, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com where you can purchase season passes for this podcast and our other quality storytelling programs, or become a patron for as little as $5 a month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, all of it ad-free. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You can subscribe to me on YouTube as well at the Otis Gyre channel, where you'll find releases of my series, Horror Storytime, dating back to 2014. Ten years now. And you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Just search for Otis Gyre. Until next week, stay spooky, and get some sleep, if you can. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Scary Stories Told in the Dark, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcasts Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Otis Jiry. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Luke Hodgkinson and Jesse Cornett. Sound design and final mixing and mastering provided by executive producer and director Craig Groshek. Program's artwork and logo by David Romero. If you're looking for some fresh tales on a daily basis while waiting for the next podcast, check out my YouTube channel, the Otis Jiry channel, and my extensive collection of narrated tales there. Simply search on YouTube by my name and you'll find me. And don't forget to subscribe and press the bell notification icon to get my latest releases. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at Otis at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's O-T-I-S at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you've enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on Facebook to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and other programs and my channel. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for CTFDN as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every Wednesday. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next Wednesday with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. But that's all right. Who needs sleep anyway? <laughs>
You can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.